It's time for the Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And tonight we're going to talk about the 11th and 12th episode of USA's Colony. These were called Disposable Heroes and Bonzo. So Disposable Heroes, that one's pretty easy. And we had figured that one out the previous episode that, you know, we had these outliers who were successful, professional killers, basically. They were the people who were also like the ones that could rebuild our society if everything went to hell. So Unfortunately, though, they were being treated very much like they were our first line of defense for these aliens. And uh, whether or not they made it, they didn't really care. As outlined in the in the cold opens for both episodes. What does Bonzo mean? Bonzo has a few meanings. Bonzo was the nickname of John Bonham. The, the drummer for Led Zeppelin. Bonzo is also self-immolation, a ritualistic suicide practice often in, used to refer to suicide by fire. Whoa. Bonzo was also the chimp in Bedtime for Bonzo, starring Ronald Reagan. <laughs> That's the Bonzo I'm familiar with. Not so familiar with that suicide by fire. With all the guitars hanging around his office, I gotta wonder if it's the Led Zeppelin. I like that. I do like that. Good call. Hmm. Listeners, you guys, give us some feedback on that. What do you think? Which Bonzo could be correct? Is it A, Bonzo the monkey? B, <laughs> Bonzo, as in the drummer from Led Zeppelin? Or C, Bonzo is in a ritualistic suicide by fire. What do you think this Bonzo is referring to? Let's talk about this weird ritual sitch we have going on in the woods, however, with these pods and these this man who has to open up. He's speaking Mandarin. At least they didn't spend any time fighting each other, the woman and the man. Oh, thank um, goodness. I was actually shocked to see a woman. I don't know why, but I just well, seem like the, every single other outlier we've seen has been a man. In the second episode, the Bonzo episode, when they reveal that she's an Iranian Air Force officer, mm. does that jive with Real life. I don't know. Do, does I Iran mean, have an Air Force? Yeah. I mean, didn't Saudi Arabia just let someone, a woman drive a car, but the Air Force has pilots? Is this huh. is this a thing? I don't know. I did not. I would not have thought so. You're completely right. I mean, someone please correct me. I don't want to be ignorant on this. Let me know if I'm wrong. But that seems like not a real thing. At any rate, the woman Iranian soldier... And the man, the Chinese man, get their asses handed to them very quickly. They they are out there as a test. They are up against whatever it is that hates the hosts, sort of this blue-skinned alien with like a vertical mouth and like a button eye and some other gross stuff. And he also happens to have what I refer to as predator armor predator cloaking anyway so to our eyes it looks like that wiggly gooey kind of thing that's just like invisible man had you seen predator in your life ever caroline i don't believe i have well that's what predator does is he is he he, um it's almost exactly the same in fact where when he wants to go invisible he he kind of warps the vision through him so that you can still see but it's kind of skewed right okay so the fact that they use that 
same trick on the host enemies is a little cheeso for experienced sci-fi fans. It's like, um, we've seen that. It's definitely the predator. <laughs> you nice. know what I mean? Yes. Okay. That makes sense. But, you know, we have to confess that this podcast is being recorded at the point in time when we have learned that the show has been canceled. So I got to wonder at what point in production did they know that their chances were not awesome? To me, it seemed early on and before these episodes would have been filmed, my opinion. So then cheesing off of a 20-year-old special effect, does that seem so wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think that, you know, their budget was probably, you know, depleting, right? I would think so. Right. And that's, a, that's an effect everybody knows how to do. So, yeah, no big deal. Well, the, the main thing that we gained from these this little testing was that we as uh, no match. humans, yeah, have zero way to protect ourselves against this predator. I mean, we were easy pickings. And they showed this film and did a report back to Kynes, which means like he's very aware and I'm assuming conducting part of these. Yeah, that's what I got. I, I mean, that's what I was figuring out. So he requests to actually talk to the alien. Did this seem odd? Okay, so the alien that he has in custody, is that the alien that we're testing the outliers against? I thought so, yes. How does this work? I have no idea. That does put a little spin on it. Because otherwise, we just have a rogue alien out in the woods, and that's not very appealing. No, I assume that we have some sort of way of like controlling this alien in some form or fashion. And we let it go in some controlled environment and we put the pod there and then we watch what happens. Very gladiator style, right? Yeah. What I, what I thought maybe a possibility was with the, um, the cloaking was maybe he wasn't actually cloaking as much as he was like phasing in and out of, oh, okay. I don't know. Our perceptive reality. So maybe they, maybe he was like in another, like in that little enclosed area, and then somehow they like allowed him in. I don't know. I, I don't. Know. I don't know how we would control him in any form or fashion if he could just <laughs> obliterate everybody. I mean, there's there's some sort of control going on, but I mean, with that conversation, I put in air quotes with Kinds, where they obviously did some telepathy there, and uh, Kinds got like a brain burn. Um, I felt like. We were no match in any way to this thing, like getting close to it in any way. Well, it so, just reminded me of of like if something is out of phase, at least as the way it's explained in other science fiction stuff, kind of like the Flash can do this trick where he moves so fast that he's out of phase with the rest of us, right? So if he passes his hand through you when he's doing that, it fucks up everything that it goes through because it's just like churning it faster than than you can imagine Whoa. okay okay so if you if he does that you're dead and that mm. since this guy didn't seem to be carrying any weapons he just it seemed like he was just like running by and yeah. just like, whoop, you know and he made that chur, 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 chur sound when he did it and 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 then with the, the way that when kinds came out of the tunnel and he was kind of like throbbing and, and throwing and up and his definitely. perceptions were kind of pulsing in and out and kind of yeah, that, yeah. it kind of made me think maybe he had gotten i don't know just just something rapid, something quick, something not quite in phase with how he sees and thinks. Huh. Very upsetting. I don't know. The other result that came from that was there was some sort of what I can only glean was coordinates written on his arm. 
It was the best he could do, I think. was That was all the information he could get out of whatever that exchange was. So you think he physically wrote that on his arm? Mm-hmm. See, I just didn't... I just, mm, I'm going to put that up in a question mark because it just seemed like he was not capable of like writing um but then but obviously he like revealed his arm in a way and his sleeve was down the whole time like all the whole time we saw him and then the whole time when he came out his sleeve was down and then he pulls it up and there's like the coordinates written on there almost like one of those white tattoos so i don't know i'm not i'm not so sure that he wrote it himself i have no explanation of how aliens communicate via arms I don't know what they're right. up to. This is a crazy communique, and but they, and they know numbers. Uh, yes, they speak our exact number system exactly. I don't know. This was very confusing. I think it was interesting and also uh, disheartening to see that we were no match and that like no amount of what Kynes had done up to this point, assuming he was using some of that technology with the uh, mesh, you know, that we had seen that they were couriering back and forth that that they had created something for these soldiers and maybe that's what they were testing with some of this and that like none of that was useful at all so i mean that was very disheartening that we were not ready in any way gotta wonder and we'll never find out what the arrangement (laughs) was here because he had a drone in another area right conducting weapons tests on on his mesh and now he has this guy this is the this is two sides of the same engagement, right? Under his control in we some think, way. We think I mean, no, do we know that this is the new alien? We don't. I mean, this could be something from the host's land. I mean, it doesn't make sense. The only thing that we've seen so far was that little, you know, brain or whatever inside the me- mechanical stuff as representing what we're all calling wraps and hosts and all that kind of stuff or whatever morks or whatever the other names are people use remember when katie found that one ship in the one episode and said whatever was here was like organic it wasn't yeah. the same thing so then it's i guess could this be whatever that is and then i'm so. not sure if that is from the new aliens or is this another species of this other host people I don't know. I'm not sure yet. So. I think the hosts are the balls and the mechanical stuff. That's why they refer to uh, the outliers as their biological weapon. Yeah. I thought that that was like finally like a really good understanding there was like they are the humans are the biological weapon. I know that's a big duh duh now, but that whole time I didn't know where they were going with all that. You know, I didn't know. I, I don't know. I guess in our world, since we use it to mean like viruses and crap like that, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, that's how that's what I was thinking. So let's quickly just do a quick turn over to Katie and Will and talk about them for just a second. We picked up with them about deciding whether or not to go to that fight club meetup. And they do decide to go with Broussard. And this yields a conversation with Harris. How do you feel about the way that they just had Harris like play this like, but how would it work? And they would like fill in the blanks like it was like a Mad Libs of what is the plan for the world? Harris probably didn't get enough credit for for the role that he was playing on here because he was he was playing both sides pretty well. I mean, ultimately, he answered to kinds, not to these guys. That's clear now. He knew how to get information and they sung. I mean, they just said everything i mean the characters from here on out all act in ways that they didn't act before you know and yes i I agree wholeheartedly becomes more obvious later 
But even here, the way they're just like singing like little songbirds, giving up everything that they know instantly to some guy they just met, right? Yeah, it, I agree with you. Like, you're right. These are all, all the characters from here on out are people we've never met before. They behave in different ways. If you had only watched these two episodes and you asked, what is the relationship between Broussard and Will? What is the relationship between Katie and Will? What is whatever? I would really challenge you if you would say, oh, Will and Katie are a married couple that have been married for a long time. Uh, Broussard was an opponent of Will's from, you know, for a long period of time. And he was mistrustful of both sides. No, you would have said, oh, they must be old combat buddies. Right. From like and have a long history. And I think that Katie and Will are probably at Maybe a divorced couple, but I don't even think anything. I mean, Will has not shown two licks of interest in Katie. They seem unrelated to one another. And Broussard and Katie have no relationship at all. Very little. Yeah, very little. And then Amy and Broussard seem like they've been married or something. And like, you know, they they have more like back and forth looks to one another and that kind of thing than anybody. Very, very odd how we set this all up. But- so bees. Yeah. That's why we put these two episodes together because we really felt like there was so much that happened that was really like setting one up and then sort of playing it out. So let's go on to Mr. Setting it up and playing it out. Snyder. He comes up with this plan, right? That he's got to show that Seattle is unstable and that Kynes is not got a handle on this whole place. They didn't even really tease this out for the audience, right? They they revealed it all in within like 20 minutes of it happening. There's no suspense is what I'm trying to get get to get around to saying in that they found out that it was Snyder that set up the bombing on the outlier truck almost instantly. Well, the way okay. that he comes charging in and he's like, looks like nothing is in control here. And Yeah, I agree. And let's talk a little bit about like what actually went down. So we have this explosion um, and, you know, it kills an outlier. But meanwhile, we also have that scene where they kill Harris. I felt like that scene was so weird. It was long. It was relatively quiet. It was so, when we think about Snyder, he's the kind of guy who doesn't get his hands dirty, you know? So like the idea that he was actually hands-on killing this guy just seemed extremely out of character. He would have sent goons to do it, but... It's just so weird that he was like physically involved in it. Yes, I totally agree. We're going to say this over and over again until our colony podcasts end, which is (laughs) that, you know, this season started with this guy that had a mission, but was kind of conflicted. We knew that he was going to do, he was going to carry out the mission, but he was going to try to protect the Bowmans at the same time, right? Yes. And then now we have this guy who, even though he on some level recognizes his role in Charlie getting killed in a little bit way. Like, I mean, he can rationalize it, but the way that he got up at night and looked at the death rolls and all that kind of stuff, like he knows that he's responsible and, and he felt bad, but ever since then he's turned into this demon and this is where he basically is going to end up is just being this guy killing people, blowing people up and, and is just set loose like a mad dog. I agree. And that and that was never him. Like, I mean, they tried to have him say lines like I play all sides and stuff like that. But but this isn't playing all sides. I mean, this is this is being like the mastermind behind like chaos. And that that was not 
for me, that was not his role. His role was always like sidestepping, you know, making sure he wasn't, you know, involved in certain ways or he made sure his name wasn't in a certain list or whatever. But no, this is supervillain kind of this shit. This is supervillain. I mean, come on, though. Even when you think about supervillains, are they usually the one? No, their goons are the one, you know? Yeah. They might be standing there heckling, you know, or whatever, but they are not usually the ones that are involved. And again, that scene was excessively long for me. I and I and it was so out of the blue. Like, what in the world is happening right now? He was a strong man, and it took took all that to bring him down. I guess they wanted to be very clear, you know, that they that they had done this and that he was truly dead. But damn, I I just mm. okay. So now we have this explosion. Then they go ahead and explode Harris's car as well to try to frame it up to look like he was the one that exploded the outliers, and he was the one that was in transport with a bomb and it prematurely exploded. So he's the one for everybody to be looking at. And old kind should have had a better, you know, lockdown on this crazy guy. Right, right. How could you let this happen under your own nose? One of your own men. Just silly. I don't know. I didn't I didn't like it. I thought I'm with you wholeheartedly. It was too blatant. It was too obvious. Kinds didn't Kinds didn't think that any of this was happening for real for even one second and like all the other little parts like so let's start talking about like the fallout of this explosion we have several different little legs that happen helena shows up in one second kinds is able to look up and figure out that her plane was already in route when the explosion <laughs> happened i mean ay 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 yeah he's got the number for the airfield guy like on speed dial he's like garvey this is everett yeah, and it was no big deal. And they were like, mm-hmm, yep. I mean, it's supposed to say he, he, she came from Davos. But I mean, she was already on the way when the explosion happened. That is just, like, bullshit. And, like, why did they feel the need to do that? They didn't really have to do it that way, in my opinion. Like, they could have played it a little more straight so that some of those things would line up correctly. Like, there was no reason to go full on. Right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they don't care what kinds thinks. I mean, they just say... Who cares if you know my plane was en route? Who cares? Like, we're taking you down anyway. That is how totalitarian regimes work. Yeah, they're so mean, right? All right, so post-explosion, we also have Kynes deciding to go underground. And he is going to start this entire series of events that are going to transpire between him and the Broussard, Katie, Will crowd, and him and Snyder and the IGA. So we're going to kind of tease those out in two different ways. So first we have the Katie, Will, Broussard, Amy crew. Post-explosion, they realize that this is going to be a gigantic problem, right? Their phones go out. There's a problem. Uh, immediately, the outliers show up. O'Neill and his gang are now like, what's going on? They assume that they're the ones that started the explosion. We don't want to miss the part where where it's kinds that shut the network off intentionally and that set off that shut off the phones with his head of it guy he called it operation phoenix or something like that phoenix mm -hmm. was involved and yeah so it, it shut down not only the phones but any anything else internet or commu all communication telecommunications related yeah so that led to you know this this confrontation and this leads to a couple of awkward moments so having them all show up there right before the outliers show up we have katie and amy have like their first actual meetup super awkward super weird 
it shouldn't have really been this awkward, in my opinion, because Katie doesn't know anything. So I don't know why Katie is awkward with Amy at all. She's got a chip on her shoulder and she says a bunch of leading shit like, so you've already heard that much about me? Like that kind of stuff that people say and actually, no, I haven't heard shit about you. And it doesn't make any sense because why should Katie know who Amy is at all? Or that Amy's had this, I mean, we know she's had this awkward conversation with Will. We know she's had a fight with Broussard about Will, but Katie doesn't know anything. So these are just two women meeting, you know? So I thought they played that out very oddly. And like you said, Katie already acting all like, oh, I'm sure you've heard all about me. And I was like, why? Like, yeah, no, I I mean, if, if Amy was acting awkward, it's because she's like, oh, you're married to Will. And I think Will is a crazy person. And that's why I'm acting awkward right now. But other than that, I mean, the fact that you're hanging out on my front porch is also awkward for right. me. You're you're, but, you're doing sentry duty on my porch. Yeah. I mean, that's what's all weird about it. But instead, Katie totally turns it around and acts all strange. And I don't know. I That whole part just, again, did not ring true, felt strange. If you had shown someone that scene who really didn't watch the rest of Colony and you said, what are these two people's relationship? You'd be like, oh God, well, clearly there's a lot of water under the bridge. Right, it must be a wife lot, and mistress here. A lot of weird shits happen. And you're like, no, this is the first time they've ever met and they actually have nothing to do with one another. They've never worked together or had anything to do with each other. Super strange, very weird. So now we have this another strange part where Will is going to show the video, right? As Broussard gets out the video of Snyder and the whole interrogation. Now, we all know that Katie doesn't know that this interrogation went down. And I didn't even really truly appreciate the fact that this had been videotaped. I know that Amy did it, but I didn't really appreciate it. Well, Katie knew that Will had gotten Snyder, but he didn't go into details. Exactly. But I think the videotape part and all that, I just... I don't know. I, I guess I guess if you if you saw a video of me beating someone up, it would be different than me just saying I went and beat somebody up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that would all be alarming for sure. I I just I thought it I thought Katie would have a more of a reaction, I guess. So that part played a little odd for me as well. Um, the phones being down turns out to be the signal for the outliers. Harris had pre-warned the outliers that if the phones go down, go to meet at this place that leaves its light on during the day. <laughs> That's your signal that it's safe. <laughs> right. Because Broussard's like, yeah, I feel safer already, right? <laughs> well, exactly. And it's like, and, and everyone keeps bringing this up, but they don't really give it any weight, right? They say like, well, this could be like where Kynes wants us all to go, or it could be where they're rounding us up to kill us, which You'd think Broussard might mention that's exactly what happened in Los Angeles. Yeah. They called all the soldiers to one building and exploded it. So you might want to share that because no one else in that group might know. You know, there's a possibility no one else saw what Broussard saw. So again, huh, it made you feel again like, why aren't they like letting in information? You know, like Broussard should say this is exactly what happened with the LA block. He should just say it, you know? I don't know. It's just not the same characters anymore. It's Broussard is all of a sudden just very tight lipped and he and he just kind of goes with the flow now. 
I agree that the way you said that, like tight lipped, meaning like he's he's not really being like a tight lipped leader. He's being like, I don't know, just like he has more information than he's really sharing. And obviously, I mean, he there's a lot of stuff with Will that he is he kind of intimates to the audience and to Will. But it's all just so like under this the surface, you know, that I feel like a little bit of this would come out a little bit more. So we go to this rally point, right? And we yeah. meet Adam Ford. He actually introduces himself as Adam Ford. He's the blonde kind's goon. Yes, exactly. Which I thought it was kind of funny that he said his full name. Wasn't that weird? Well, you know, it's trust, right? I give you my whole name. I suppose so. Yeah. yeah. I would just start talking. I wouldn't be like, I'm Caroline Daly and blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, listen, here's where we go. Like, that's the deal. Would you say your whole name? Yeah, sure. I That's how I introduce myself all the time. I, Paul is such like a, a lousy intro. <laughs> Hi, I'm Paul. It's, it's not that good. I gotta... <laughs> You're not Raymond. <laughs> Good night, Irene. They need to follow Kynes. They need to rally behind Kynes because he built Seattle intentionally to get humankind through the war that would come. Because when whoever won that alien war, and it didn't matter who it was, both parties were going to leave. One would be dead and the other would leave. So that would leave somebody to inherit the earth. And they didn't want the IGA to be that somebody. So they built Seattle to be what he called an ark. So he needed troops in order to secure that, you know, to make that happen. That makes sense. So then that sends the Bowmans back to their house to decide what are they going to do, right? Yeah, that's when Broussard goes back and talks to Amy and kind of recruits her and the Bowmans just... Do you know what I thought was the weirdest part about that rally point meeting? What's that? The whole part that Will and Broussard decide to go by themselves and that Will is 100% okay when they, when O'Neill's like, all right, here's the deal. You two can come, but my guys are staying with your girls. What? Yeah, that that was crazy. That That just felt completely... You guys, in what scenario would... You leave your wife with men who were these like super soldiers saying they're like ready to not trust you and do harm to you. Yeah, they'd come over. They'd come over that if you didn't have the right answers, they were ready to kill everybody there. Right. But you'd leave Amy and Katie alone with them. Like in any other movie, they would have raped Katie and Amy. Just be real. <laughs> no, I'm not laughing. Yeah. In any other movie, that's what the, that's what it would have happened. Right. Sure. And so for Will and Broussard to leave them, what what the hell, you guys? They left them pretty quick, too. It wasn't even like a glance back. It was like a- And not well, anything like poke the men in the chest and like, if you touch a hair on their head, I will kill you. Like, I mean, nothing. Nothing. Just like, sure, here you go. Here they, they're nothing to us. Sounds reasonable. I mean, what? Like, leave your I dishes in the sink. I really don't understand. I, I think I felt like that that both Will and Broussard made no sense there. Th that is not the men that we know. Everyone who says, I love Broussard. Oh, I love Will, whatever. One of the characteristics of them is that they would never be that kind of man who would just give their women over to the enemy. In that scenario, it was the enemy and just give them over like whatever. Take them. Mm 
Mm-mm, I totally agree. Total trash. So, all right. Now, following the rally point, we're going to follow back up and Will is going to head home and Katie is there doing a little light housekeeping. The main net uh, result of that conversation in the kitchen is Katie saying that she's going and she's just going to leave a note for the kids, that they're in bed and she's just going to check on out and head out with Will wherever the night leads them. If you clump these two episodes together, you'll have seen, you'll notice that Will has been giving Katie, uh, in his opinion, a ton of chances to, to back out. To just say, okay, Will, go do this, uh, and I'll and I'll do the kid stuff. And at every turn, she's like, no, I'll go. And every time she does, he gives he kind of gives the camera like this look. It's like, gosh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? Oh, I yeah, I think that he's just like over her completely, completely. Yeah. So the, in order to get over to Amy's house this time now, because of the explosions, they're like in this clamp down martial law kind of thing. Yeah, and so. They both have to show their IDs in order to get over to Amy's house. And, you know, he's a cab driver, so it's okay that he has this fare. And she's got to get to work, you know, because she works for Kinds and everything, which all of this, again, makes zero sense to me. Why would she need to go to the processing center at the, in the night when they're on, like, martial law clampdown? They're clearly not processing people. Like, okay, all right. Not only that, but they go through all this trouble of making sure that both of them show their IDs. Yeah. Both of them would say Dalton on them. They didn't make a point of showing to the camera what they were showing them. You know? It doesn't really matter, right? Yeah, it I would mean, say Dalton. It would. And so, like, the whole idea of it being like, oh, this is just my fare. I mean, anyone would say, this is clearly your family member, you know? Like, this is weird. And, like, I don't go for this. It was a weird flashback to when we had, remember when Bram was in the car and Maddie was up front? Remember that whole thing? Yeah. That person was far more discerning than this whole situation, which just seems extremely unlikely to me. It was artificial tension just for a second, and it didn't do anything. Nothing mattered. It didn't matter. None of it mattered. So it was like, okay. So now we get back to Amy's house and talk about artificial tension, Paul, and none of it mattering. So this is the discussion where Will's kind of had it, where he's he's like done with Katie pretending that she's going to play soldier anymore and that he's he's going to go be a soldier and she needs to not be a soldier. Yeah. And I mean, this was a big deal. And even she's trying to appeal to Broussard and it's not fair that she's going, referring to Amy and poor Amy's staying there. And Amy's like, well, she is going to excuse herself. That was like, that was a well-written line and funny to me. That was a good line. I, I definitely felt like, you know, Katie's, again, ignorance of the situation, like Amy doesn't want to go. She's going because they need a medic. I mean, in Broussard's words, like I shoot him, you repair him kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah. oh, geez. So she doesn't want to go. And again, it's just like this constant, like, we've already lost a child. Our children are already like really floundering. Why, why, why would you send both parents into battle in any situation? It just wouldn't happen. You know, like she's just being so ridiculous. And the biggest thing to me that he sort of said, and I don't remember you guys, if he said it verbatim, I apologize for not remembering. But the whole concept of his name's on the list, her name is not on the list. In any given situation, he is going to be given different treatment than her, and he's not going to be able to protect her. 
you know, whether it's a drone shooting at them or whether it's, you know, being sorted into piles or whatever the hell is happening to them. Mm -hmm. She's not on the list. All excellent points. I mean, I mean, Will is still, I don't know. I mean, you can make an argument that he's going to be the hero of the day, but you can also say that he's he's abandoning his family in 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 a lot of ways, right? I mean, the whole like concept of the kids are better off without me. He never once acknowledges her ever again in these episodes. We don't need to tell the kids what's what's happening. Bram gets it. All that stuff. Well, he never acknowledges Katie as his wife ever again. He never like gives her a hug, gives her a kiss, says anything to her like you know, be strong for the kids. They need you. And I've loved you, you know, this whole time kind of part, you know, I know he does say go be with the kids. I know that, but there's no add on about like their 20 years of marriage. There's no, there's no nothing, you know, there's just nothing there in a way that's like, I get it. And I know people will argue with me and say like, well, you know, their relationship was on the rocks and blah, blah. I know. He basically is intending to go die. And normally in those death kind of like facing death moments, you might say something to the person who you didn't divorce. In fact, they are still together. And in theory, people thought that there was some sort of reconciliation post his mental crying breakdown. I mean, what is going on at this point with them? Nothing, it seems like. Yeah, it's it's a complete fracture. Um that Will has kind of forced to the front here, even though it seemed like in the last couple episodes they were kind of repairing things. It did. And it it went back to the whole thing where people said, Colony is not just a sci-fi show. It's a show about a family trying to live through this like apocalypse or whatever. So if you only look at it like that, then what a disappointment that this marriage doesn't go out with a bang they don't they don't like have a big blow up and yell at each other it goes out with a whimper with him just walking away saying you're a liability that's it oh that is so painful you know harsh words i think insanely harsh words p insanely i just don't even know what to say will's mindset is in such a bad place I just, I don't even know what to say. Dismissive is not even a accurate enough word. Well, but he's pissed off and charged up enough to go charge into this armory thing, right? Yeah. So let's talk about that. So um, remember we were saying there were several results from those explosions. And one of it was this whole Katie Will, Broussard, Amy sitch. But another sitch was how Kynes has to respond. Who he does shut down everything, starts his Operation Phoenix. And this starts this IGA hunt for him because he is going to go underground. So at first they think they're going to go to Bellevue, they, they're saying, I think was it's the name a, of it. Yeah, it's a nearby big city to, yeah. to Seattle. So I guess they're going to try to go ahead and and hide out there. They probably had some some stash of supplies and whatnot. Their major bunker. That's not possible. And so there's this, this car ambush and they managed to get him far enough away to stop a community patrol car and these poor unsuspecting little kitty patrol gets out and um of course relinquishes their car to their leader you know right sure i mean they they look up to this guy and and he needs their car so why not and this is when he says to them let's get to bonzo 
reveals that little nugget. Yeah, too much. You've ruined it for them just by <laughs> saying that word. Pretty much. So uh, this is when the, the next episode, Bonzo, starts and we get like all this wicked bouncy camera work that I did not like at all. I, I did not like it. I, I felt like it was unnecessary and it was distracting. So boo on the camera work on that portion. <laughs> I really didn't like it. Like I felt like this is really weird and I don't know. I'm I'm sure they were trying to do something stylistically, but it just came off kind of like sloppy, you boo! know? I didn't like it. Boo! <laughs> nice, Paul. Okay, so then they do get to Bonzo, which Bonzo was a pretty nice pet. I like that they had accent chairs and a conversation nook and like <laughs> this whole like, they had like uh, an area rug. I mean, it was lovely. I wouldn't mind that well, for sure. Plus all the communication equipment, like oscilloscopes and shit. Talk about oscilloscopes, Paul. I, didn't, I know so little about oscilloscopes. Well, uh, I don't know that they actually had oscilloscopes, but it, it's, it's it's kind of stuff you put in the background of science fictiony stuff to make it look like stuff's happening. Well, now you have to tell me what oscilloscope is. It measures like the wavelength of sound. It just puts on the screen like a kind of like a, a wave design. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they had a oscilloscope, but they did have a lot of TV monitors and he was able to really track the the stuff and that was great I, I thought that that was a very well established place to go it made sense it it had a lot of stuff it made sense that he would be inside an armory like that it's very smart mm -hmm. i appreciated yeah. all of that yeah. now here's the bugger of it it didn't really help the fact that he was in an armory didn't really like yield like a lot of weapons for anybody not him nor his like helper people. He wasn't like, let me open the vault and you get out like all the grenades and the and the machine guns. Like never did the fact that they were in an army, like they could have been in a bank and the same amount of supplies would have been offered up weapons wise. Maybe it was just that they, by the time they got there, they were so focused on extracting just him that they couldn't focus on getting any collateral stuff. You would have thought though that in the meantime, Adam and Kynes might have sort of packed some bags for the outliers, knowing they were coming, you know? Just seems like that would have been a good idea to, to snag some of those supplies. But hey, that's me. That's how I run my Bonzo. Listen, he's done Everybody's a lot of thinking got ahead here. own Bonzos. Okay? I, I don't even want to give him shit about it because, you know, if I own that Bonzo, I'd run it differently. That's all I'm saying, you know? Yeah, that's what you always say. <laughs> constantly designing my bonzo <laughs> okay so in the meantime who shows up to save him everybody Broussard Will the Aimster right the whole gang O'Neill there other unnamed outliers <laughs> exactly so this was kind of sad to me because Will was such a mess you know how they just they decided at one point just to give him the all the weapons, the majority of the weapons and the ammo and stuff. And he's going to, you know, just hold them off, keep them busy and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And I, I just felt awful about this. You know, it, it was it wasn't handled in a way that was like he was a hero that was standing up for them. It was the the ammo and stuff that Broussard was handing over was done with such like sunken shoulders you know like like i know you're purposely putting yourself in this position well mm -hmm. you know it was just so sad just sad which is weird because 
shouldn't we feel proud of Will for standing up and and fighting and all that stuff? Like, shouldn't there be some amount of like, you're so brave? And instead it was sort of coming off like, I'm so bummed that you're giving up to these to go and be shot by these guys, you know? That's how it was feeling to me. Mm, and just, I mean, we've seen Will do some pretty cool stuff, but this felt more unlikely than anything else. Like, like remember, there was a moment when, um, was it in Bonzo when, when uh, they have them pinned down a little bit? And Will does like this sliding move. Oh yeah! And Broussard's like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> yeah, because he's just taking chances and and kind of gunning to be the hero. And and you know, and this show has been realistic enough that that kind of shit should get you killed, right? You do enough of it, and it it you can't run that way that long. There were such small hallways and there were so many more guys, you know, than him. And they seemed to be coming in from all sides. I it, oh, I mean, I just I, I appreciate that they were trying to display that Will had this acumen as this amazing, you know, soldier. I, it, it was just. I don't know. I wish there was a, some amount of cleverness about this. Like they could have set up some sort of trap for the guys to walk into. And then he kind of came in from the other side or there was no time. I know I recognize that, but Kynes could have had things set up in a way, you know, like there could have been something. This was his place to go when shit hit the fan. So it's not like, what could he do? Shit was hitting the fan. I was like, yeah, but this is the place you go when shit hits the fan. So, you know but not no. <laughs> Paul's just closing his eyes and shaking his head at me. Like Caroline, you want too much, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Remember that mission when they went into the theater and we were all so excited, like we were all so proud of them and we felt like it was so heroic. That's, everything they were doing. That and- seemed plausible because that was two or three trained people and a, and a couple more that were semi-trained people going against a bunch of, radicals that had just stolen some rifles you know and that were that were doing bad stuff and so yeah i mean there was a lot of them but you you could take them down it was not that unbelievable but this is one trained guy against a lot of other trained guys in armor in helmets with good guns and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah but like i said do you do you remember the the excitement we had like whoa this is a big shootout and there was like zero excitement was, about but that was so shootout. well orchestrated and it this was. was this was just like they just closed the door behind him and the next time we see him he's got blood coming out of his sleeve it, it felt awful it felt really 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 awful so uh, to finish that that whole sort of series of events out Broussard and Amy do manage to get Kynes out of there, but not without withstanding a shot or two. Well, Broussard said, stay behind me. And Kynes, at at a moment in the garage. He was trying to do this move like Vanna White about the ambulance. And he goes, here she is. Like he just put like he did this thing like this and like stepped in front of him. Yeah, it was a bad move. 
kinds uh, got you shot. That that move got you shot. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it would have been Broussard, I guess, but I don't know. It was not not good. So they do make it out in an ambulance. I thought an ambulance was a pretty good thing to hide in there, actually, mm-hmm. as like the vehicle. Because damn, you'd have like a ton of supplies. Perfect vehicle for what they needed it for, as it turns out. Right. And I mean, it's all like metal and stuff, I think. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how bulletproof a regular old ambulance is, but it seems like could be, right? How many, how many outliers do you suppose got out with that? Uh, can't be too many. Only a couple. I mean, I saw a couple guys run up when she said that she needed some blood donors. Um, I mean, maybe five, maybe total people. I mean, I don't know, six, maybe not that many, a couple, but not many. Hmm. So, yeah. So that's where basically that we leave Broussard and Amy with Kynes in the ambulance. That's how Bonzo ends for them. They're basically heading off somewhere. We're not sure where. And like you said, we end with Will just coming out of this very blurred shot where he's just kind of like in a stupor walking blood splattered on his face, blood dripping on the sidewalk. It's just gruesome, you know, and sad, a shell of a man, you know? Yeah, he's had to kill a lot of people that day. We don't even know if he's hurt or not. I mean, there's blood can't tell, coming yeah. off of him, but we don't know if it's his. Or other people's or, uh, I don't know. Well, meanwhile, Snyder has a whole mess of crap to deal with because Kynes keeps slipping away from him and he's got to figure out where the hell this Bonzo place even is to send them. So he figures out that they did use that community patrol, which brings in old Sal. Remember when they brought in Meadow's dad and it was like, Sal's going to come back up at some point. Sal the sellout, you mean? Whoa, what you got to say about Sal? Well, he gave up those kids pretty fast. They didn't need to like pull any fingernails or anything. He was like, I'm loyal to the IGA. So he he just gave them up. No big deal. How do you feel about the fact that Bram and Gracie have had a two episode section here where they focused a ton, I mean, many episodes, but a lot in these, these two where Gracie is again left alone constantly. Bram is at his wits end with the fact that, you know, there's no one watching out for her. He's taken her to Sal's for dinner. He's trying to figure things out with her. And once he gets called in and realizes that the IGA is going to take over and we're going full L.A. block here, he rushes home and grabs Gracie out of bed Seeing Katie there, sitting in the living room, taking a snooze. Do you think it was metaphorical that mom was sleeping on the job? <laughs> no, it was it was more than figurative. It was it was literal. But dude, this is where again, I mean, the whatever progress I thought that Brian had made beyond the kid that slipped away from Aunt Maddie at the green zone. This is the same kid doing the same shit. Now he's got his sister dragged into it, right? Yes, absolutely. And and brings him, brings Gracie to a house where we just saw that Sal sold out those two kids, which sets us up for a pretty awkward feeling with Sal, right? It's not like he's the kind of guy who would protect everybody at any cost, you know? It's like, uh-oh, you know, what does this mean for him? I, I do think that they had some good lines with Bram, though. I do like that um, that line about the, you should have milk for your freaking cereal. 
right. kind of liked that movie. For, what was it? The Standard Flakes or whatever? Oh, was that what it was called? Something like oh, that. Oh, no. Oh, geez. I burped into this goddamn microphone. <laughs> oh, my God. All that Rick and Morty. Now you're just talking and burping <laughs> at the same time. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I thought that they built the scene up like you really understood it. He threw the note away from Katie. You know, it it, it did make sense that they, it built to the point that it did. I was flabbergasted that Katie didn't wake up. I mean, they came in and out the front door twice. Um, you know, she was on edge about everything that was going on. I just, I don't know how she's sleeping so Your deeply. front door is something that parental ears are just tuned to hear. We can hear it when we are in any place in the entire house. You know, I can, I'm like, you're right. Like you like zone in on that. I, it just seemed like, mm, Katie, I, I I, don't think it's very realistic that you wouldn't have woken up. But And if you remember, they set this up very nicely in that nobody even knows that Bram has a girlfriend named Meadow or anything about where he could be. Do you know what I mean? Like they said it mm, over and over. Very good. Yeah. Where like Katie was like, I don't know. Who is this girlfriend? She's like, I don't know. I heard him talking on the phone. That kind of thing. And like nothing, though. No names. No nothing. So. There's nowhere to go find these people or where he could have gone to or anything. So, you know, this is going to be a pretty dead end for Katie. I don't know what shot she has to to find them. Yeah, she's quite an investigator. I don't think she has any shot, even if she was a fine investigator. But especially with everything down on like lockdown on everything, I just I don't know how she's going to find him. And and that's basically how we leave her at the end of Bonzo. We have um, Bram and Gracie with Sal and he he being all you did the right thing, which Again, kind of came off like this weird double-edged sword, like, I don't know what you mean, Sal. And then, you know, we have Katie uh, looking into these kids' empty rooms and realizing not only are they not in their beds, but like their dresser drawers are open and empty. She's right out of Mother of the Year for this. I just, you know, the saddest line of Gracie, this entire thing, and definitely what broke Bram was when she said, I know why they don't like to be around me. It's because I remind them of Charlie. Oh, that was awful. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. What do you say to that? No, you don't. <laughs> Nothing, right? You just have to basically run away and just be like, ah, you know, like, what are we going to do? So, yeah, there's just there's just nothing to do. So I don't know. That's where we leave those three. I I. I'm so freaked out. We do need to go back and talk about Mr. Snyder because he still has more going on with him. He did have that moment with kinds that I really don't want to skip um, because I thought it was interesting when they had the back and forth between Kynes and Snyder and Helena. The coolest information came out about them, about Helena. I didn't realize. Failed studio exec. Yeah. Wasn't that funny? Very interesting. And all of, I mean, he... I think part of the reason why they couldn't take him in right then was they just didn't have the guts. He bested them mentally and they were just kind of flabbergasted and he just walked away from them even though they kind of really needed him with him right right then, you know what I mean? I I I thought it was like whoa. You know, I mean, he they'd already moved into a very unsubtle we're taking over your city kind of mode. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they should have taken him in custody right then. But instead, I mean, he kicked their asses mentally, <laughs> intellectually, right? 
Uh, yes. You're the kind of crabs that drag the others into the bucket. I mean, that, I mean. Oh, that was such a good line. I can't line. wait to use that on somebody. That you was know? such a good line. That's a great line. It, it was really, really good. I really appreciated it. It was so good. I, I just, I really felt like, you know, Proxy had a lot of good lines in this one. I liked when he was saying to uh, Garland, he's like, I like you because you don't put glitter on a turd. I was like, Snyder, you turkey. You do love a good turd euphemism. Oh, always love that, right? Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I, we've always respected Proxy for his game. You know, he straight up says to Helena, you know, I play both sides. Like there was never any doubt that he was always looking out for number one. But these two episodes, when you put them together, just like you said, it just, it, it really, strangely, it, it somehow, you know, you hope with episodes that they expand a character, somehow it like narrowed his character. You know, it took all the different reasons that he had for and all the various ways that he played all the different parts, like the puppet master. And he became this like one note villain, you know, that just became so much more vicious in a in a way that is harder to defend, you know, mm-hmm. as you move along, because it's like, oh, my God, what? I mean, this was this just got I don't know, I guess it all ratcheted up here, right? Yes. Yeah. And it gets, I mean, I can't say. I can't, I can't say. Yeah. <laughs> so like we said, though, I mean, we, we know that we're going into tonight's finale. Uh, Paul and I have been traveling, so we apologize for not getting this, this out to you sooner. Uh, we will have this out hopefully right as the finale is coming out, which will hopefully give you an opportunity to listen to us and rewatch that finale. Um, but I, you know, the way that we're leaving this, the way that you described it to me that where you just feel like that the show just like took all these individual characters and things that we thought we knew it was about, about family, about a marriage, about trying to stay together when you have different ways of approaching something and watching all of them disintegrate into these, you know, just piles of goo as a character. It, it feels bad because it feels like the aliens won, you know, like no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. the Bowmans are dead. You know, they might physically be walking the earth, but this family is no longer a living thing, you know? And I don't know how it would ever come back. How could they ever show them coming back as a family, you know? Yeah. I mean, gosh, I mean, I'll have more thoughts about this in our finale podcast. I'm sure. Cause we'll have to do that in just like a day or two, but I can't tell you just how very disappointed I am and and how this is how this is turning out cuz I really liked these characters and the final word on them is going to be very different than than what I had hoped for them. I agree. And I and definitely like I said like the whole the whole premise kind of just got thrown to the wayside, you know, the whole idea of them even attempting to have a family anymore. It's just like, nobody's attempting to have a family. They don't, they're not attempting to have a marriage. They're not attempting to be parents. The kids aren't attempting to even be kids to the parents, you know, like it's just, there's just nothing left of this family. Mm-hmm. And Charlie, you know, our, our, our best kid is, is goner. And that just makes you feel like, I don't know that this is ever going to come back. It makes me wonder what Jacob knew when he told us that he, he, they told him what the story was for everybody else. And 
that his death made sense in that context. And I got to imagine that they showed him like a multi-season arc that involved this story that made it make sense because what we're seeing right now, there's no justification for killing Charlie. Well, except for that, it's like, if you think of it, like, like it, Charlie can be dead because there's no family. There, There is no family, you know? So like it, it can make sense because Will and Katie aren't together anymore. There's no, like he doesn't have any parents or family to go to or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And, and it really So he was, needed to die to fracture the family? I don't know if it caused the, the ultimate fracture. I don't know. I don't know if Will would have lost his mind as a soldier to all this if Charlie was still alive. And if it's true that he wouldn't have, that is a very sad statement on what kind of father he ever was to Bram and Gracie. Because it's hard to believe that that one child not being there anymore would throw out all your love for, for the other two. Like, I, I can't, that doesn't make sense to me, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have been in life and death situations and then one of our children did pass away, we would not throw the other two out, you know? So it's sort of like, I don't know. I mean, I get it that he's a, that he is a devastated man, that, that awful things have happened. I understand that. I also understand that plenty of marriages break up after a child passes away. Um, I do know that, but I, I don't get the distance from the kids. I don't get him feeling like they're better off without me and all that stuff. I mean, you're basically feeding them to the wolves then because who's supposed to protect them? You know, there, there, there was no safety net. Right. So I don't know you guys. Well, we have the finale coming up very soon in like an hour. So I'm going to try to get this out to you ASAP. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Thanks a lot. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software, our website, dailyreview.com, that's D-A-L-E-Y review.com, Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you find us, please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.